Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and today I'm so excited that Eva has nominated Dr. Matthew Muir from Australia as a game changer, and Matt has joined me today to talk more about why he's passionate about holistic veterinary medical care and his evolution out of veterinary school and into the forefront of intentionally helping his patients and clients make great lifestyle choices based on common sense medicine that involves least toxic options. So thank you, Matt, for joining me and congratulations on your nomination. Thank you so much. It's great to be here and really appreciate uh, the opportunity to share my story. Well, we are excited to hear about this. I know who you are, of course, being in the wellness community, but for the readers and listeners that may not be familiar with your the amazing work you're doing, let's back up and first talk about what inspired you to become a veterinarian, but then also an integrative veterinarian. Sure. So I was the, the classic three-year-old kid that wanted to be a vet. Um, I grew up in, in country Australia. I uh, spent a lot of time on farms and in nature and had a lot of pets and it looked after a lot of wildlife. Um, so my journey to become a vet was really, upon reflection, nowadays I reflect on it, that I was caring for my animals um, as a child um, and I had a, 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 a lot of different pets, um, birds and, and a, a lot of other animals. And so to me, the concept of species-appropriate husbandry and, and particular nutrition was something that I had to learn as a child um, in order to look after the pets in my care. So it was kind of an extension of that. Um, I loved biology at school and, and moved moved into uh, yeah, applying for vet science and, and got in. Um, so I started my journey as an extension of, of just loving pets, really, and then um, knowing that I could have a, a career with this that had so much opportunity um, and it was such a needed um, a needed profession. So it was kind of perfect for me to be able to get into vet school. And would you say, I, I feel like Australia is light years ahead of most other countries when it comes to common sense ruling. For instance, I think, you know, the raw food movement for pets was born in Australia. And I feel like it may, it may be slightly more accepted for veterinarians to graduate with the concept of understanding that species appropriate foods make a whole lot of sense. Talk to me about, you, you knew this going into veterinary school because it was a part of your history and your own personal experience, but in vet school. And then after you graduated has do you feel like the acceptance of your clients and your colleagues has been, I'm not going to say easy, but do you believe that it has been a, a clear, flat road in helping people coming to you to understand the power of nutrition? Or do you feel like I feel that it's been this uphill battle most of my career, helping my conventional colleagues 
see how important biologic food is. It's not it's not been yeah, completely easy, but I think there have been some things in my favor. I guess to to rewind a little bit, when I was at university, like I did a year long uh, field research on his dissertation in the role of um, diet on the microbiome and, and health, and I was looking actually at um, livestock health and and what subclinical or or uh, subacute disease. So this is animals that look well, but they're actually just not really well under the surface. So to me, that was um, a lot of the motivation to to when I got into practice and at uni I did uh, externships um, at, at the zoo in the carnivore division so I was looking at what carnivores ate so I, I did come into practice with an awareness that uh, you know the Bath movement Ian Billinghurst movement was in Australia that Australians um, are very I think have the luxury of being connected to the land because we're such a spread out um, uh, society that I guess the concept of feeding a dog a bone isn't that foreign to a lot of Australians and, and a lot of Australians have that pragmatism or common sense to say, yeah, dogs, of course, dogs can eat bones. Um, and, and look, I don't think it's everyone. I certainly think the profession, it, people have different viewpoints. Personally, I, I did work in, I did a lot of emergency emergency medicine it, when I first started um, and I did spend a lot of like I did see uh, some disaster stories for animals who were eating the wrong thing and and not making appropriate decisions um, uh, uh, and so um, it wasn't there were some battles um, I mean in practice I would say to people hey like you're back here with the rash um, or the ear infection like did you change the the diet like after our last conversation about how we could prevent this from happening again and and sometimes people are like well no like the food was quite expensive or I didn't think it was really necessary and I'm sort of saying look well you know, you're back here and, and rather than spending another hundred dollars on a consultation, like why, why not invest in, in food? So it, it was, it, it was easier in Australia because I also have worked in the UK. And when I was in the mm. UK in London, I was trying to say to people, I was like, feed better food. Like if you feed better food, like I, I really honestly believe that your pet will, will be better. So yeah, the, the health um, and wellness uh, boom in Australia, particularly where I live in Sydney, like uh, there's like more um, naturopathic uptake of like a lot of people in Australia use naturopaths. Um, I think a lot of vets are, are aware and, and um, able to sort of bring nutraceuticals into practice. Um, the, the, the momentum of moving into whole food nutrition is, is just really starting with the new generation of vets. Um, but it's, it's certainly coming along um, and it's very exciting um, to, to see. It, it is. It's, it's wildly exciting. And it's, it has to be very freeing and liberating that you're in a country that has embraced kind of common sense. You know, nutrition is a foundation and you are what you eat. And it's important that what you eat is viable and nourishing and sustaining and resonates with the physiology. All, I just love the fact that 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 you're able to thrive as a veterinarian in that environment how did you knowing that you would use food as a foundation of medicine you went from emergency medicine then to private practice and do you feel it has been uh your practice is growing flourishing do you feel that as you are evolving as a doctor your clients are also evolving right behind you I almost feel like in the U.S. we say we have 2.0 pet parents you know those in 
empowered, educated owners that are capable of really doing the very best to make the best decisions for the animals. I think Australia, you have 3.0 and 4.0 pet parents. You have really knowledgeable, empowered pet parents because I think they've had a longer, richer history of common sense medicine. And you have the benefit of having those beautiful people as your clients. That has to be inspiring, but also motivating to you as a wellness doctor. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, and I have to thank you for that because a lot of the health empowerment comes from the, mm-hmm. the energy that you've put into to educating people. Um, and with my clients, like I think my, as, as my work has evolved and, and working at All Natural Vet Care, like we're coming up to our, our 20th year as a fully dedicated uh, integrative vet. Like I, I returned to Australia after being overseas and um, yeah, I was fortunate overseas to locum in a lot of practices, but I increasingly moved from emergency to wellness because I, I thought all of these, this is just all of this unnecessary preventable drama. I need to move further upstream. So what my resolve upon uh, moving back to Australia, and I was also fortunate before I went back to Australia to look at, um, uh, I went to Africa and studied how like African wild dogs ate in the wild mm. and how they fed sled dogs in Norway. So I was really like coming back saying, okay, I want to do whole, a whole food nutrition company, which I've done a company called Lyca, which I co-founded um, in 2018. And I wanted to move into fully dedicated integrative practice. So I joined all natural vet care under, and I was fortunate enough to have the mentorship of Dr. Dr. Barbara Fougere, Dr. Karen ah. Goldberg, um, which was so lucky you. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I know, yes. I know. Nothing but, like having an amazing, rich career of history, but then being trained by a legend, maybe not trained, yeah. but it, but mentored by a beautiful yeah. legend. Yeah. yeah, no, she, she trained me. I mean, I'd, I'd been just learning herbal medicine and, yeah. and nutraceuticals and nutritional therapies over my whole career from, from university. Um, but certainly Barbara consolidated it and, and, and really, uh, really taught me um so so yeah so because we're nearly 20 years old uh and I have like through like our pet food company like I have the possibility to sort of get a lot of information out to people about uh, nutrition increasingly I do meet clients that are very well versed um very educated very empowered um and very motivated um and what what we find now which is super cool is that being a practice that's nearly 20 years old, unfortunately, a lot of people meet us as that sort of third resort, last resort, like mm-hmm. third opinion. Um, my dog's got a seriously scary diagnosis and, and you're really our last resort. So that's how people find us, uh, like used to find us, I guess. Um, nowadays, uh, what like when we, you talk about um, pet parent or pet guardian 3.0 or 4.0, what's really cool now is like, like now, I meet the next generation of animals. So they might meet us with an older pet that has something really scary going on and, and hopefully we can um, improve the, the, like their, their remaining life and, and we, we have great outcomes with our uh, individualised approach. But then when they come back with their new family member, they're like, okay, we're going to start fresh. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to be really upstream with the, the preventative medicine and genuine preventative medicine. Yeah. Um, we want to think about what's our chemo preventative 
preventative strategy. Uh, let's think about like brain health, heart health, obviously joint health, oral dental um, health, like all of these parameters, mental, like preventative mental health is a huge one that I do nowadays. And yeah. so I meet, I meet parents that are onto like generation two or three of wanting like full-blown upstream preventative medicine. Yeah. And it's so cool. And it, and, it's, and it really means that we can have a really drama-free life for these animals. Yeah. Um, and my next step is to get further, which is to really look at um, getting upstream with the breeders and trying to control nutrition during pregnancy. Because in the human space, like looking at how, and then certainly there's evidence in dogs about like the how um, lifetime risk of atopic dermatitis increases when the mother's fed, um, the, the, uh, not fed real food during the, the lactation. Like this is super compelling. And if we look at Pottinger's work in 1939, like we can see that intergenerational um, issues uh, uh, really need to be addressed. So I'm super excited to be um, uh, motivated to continue to learn and do better from the families that come to, to get my care. Um, and and it's, it's super exciting. You know, it is really, it is also satisfying that some of these, these older pioneers like Dr. Pottinger, that those common sense concepts that food impacts multiple generations now being proven by the Dogris team and a variety of different institutions around the world, demonstrating that that is exactly so, that by us intentionally improving the nutrition and, uh, and the well-being of of the dam that we can epigenetically influence further generations and how awesome that we have the technology now to be able to demonstrate that, that really, I believe that that's the, when people say, you know, there's not a whole lot of research showing that food matters or that less processed food matters. So what's the difference between ultra processed food and real food? There's no long-term studies. We're in the process of getting those long-term studies. Right. And I think that that is when the access will shift because common sense tells us it, to be true. And we will soon have more and more compelling studies to the point that it's not, it's, it's undeniable. The role of whole food nutrition and nourishment when it comes to epigenetically up or down regulating our genetic potential for our animals, especially in dogs that have been so genetically damaged, we can yeah. use food as a reparative tool to help fix the genome. And that's, I think, inspiring for all wellness veterinarians. I have yeah. to assume when you get up in the morning, Matt, that you are incredibly excited with all that all that you are able to offer your amazing clients what do you love most about being a wellness veterinarian i love most the being able to uh learn like learn daily and learn more um in a, to be able to help other people um uh, by helping their animals um and including wildlife because I, i'm quite passionate about doing conservation uh, medicine and, and wildlife work as well but it, it's mostly being given the opportunity to learn more about something that i'm passionate about and i totally agree with you regarding transcriptomics nutrigenomics and and uh, the evidence being insurmountable about whole food nutrition mm -hmm. so to me it's being like 
able to contribute meaningfully to other people's lives and increasingly with some of the work that I'm, I'm looking at, at doing, um, they're contributing meaningfully to the science to prove that we can do better with, with their lives. So, yeah, what, what gets me up is just that I'm fascinated um, and passionate about nature um, and I just look at natural medicine and, and um, being in touch with animals uh, and, and helping them as such a privilege to be able mm. to learn on the job because um, we're all learning that the research and, and understanding about medicine is constantly evolving, particularly nutritional science. So we, we have to continue learning. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really amazing to be given the opportunity to just be able to research um, something with, the, with an animal in mind and a family behind them that are kind of rooting for them. It's yeah. really lovely. And I also love the fact that you are mentoring veterinary students now. So along with your desire, of course, to improve the health and well-being lifespan, health span of your patients, you're also help. You're helping us old people. We have to learn, unlearn, relearn. But being proactive in its true sense of speaking and mentoring into young people's lives involves the fact that you've got veterinary students coming in who are not going to have to unlearn. They're going to learn what they learn in veterinary school, but they're also going to learn from you. And I love the fact that you are receiving students for internships because I think that that's a way to fast track this information to the next generation of veterinarians that will be able to utilize it in a very assimilatable fashion that will help benefit their patients earlier on. And what a great gift. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. And, and I love to, to have um, students who uh, have the interest to do it. And, and I think that that's certainly how I came out of veterinary school, already questioning and ready to say, no, I, I, I want to offer more. Um, so to give students that opportunity. And the other thing for vets to realise, I think, um, is, is that... Uh, I think for mental well-being, having more tools in your toolbox mm. is really protective for your resilience to be like, yes, we've got a plan A, B, C, D. And, and I say that to students, I'm like, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know how to keep looking for information. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. In fact, I believe one of the reasons that integrative or functional medicine veterinarians potentially have less of an issue with burnout is because we do have more resources in our toolbox. So we don't, because we have A, B, C, D, and E options, we aren't having to make that excruciating statement of, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. We, we don't, we don't oftentimes that we don't get to that point. And because of that, our own ability to remain in our profession, happily and joy-filled and with exuberant energy with the ability to serve without burning out is there. And that's one of the things, that's one of my passions is embracing our conventional colleagues that may be close to the end of the rope or feeling like, you know what, I don't know if I can keep going. Just recognizing that there's a whole set of information, knowledge, medical options that we didn't learn in veterinary school available to you to help extend the options you have in your toolbox. I think that that can be incredibly refreshing for our conventional peers as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And then the other thing with that is when we look at One Health um, and Eco Health, which I'm super passionate about, if we're looking at One Health, there's a great way for, I mean, I look, I use natural therapies for myself. Um, I'm very proactive with the, my own health. 
Um, and a lot of that inspires what I look to for, for some options for my patients. And I get inspired by what I see work on animals. So often a lot of the time I'm using the same things on, on myself. Um, uh, but uh, I think it's also an opportunity for vets to, as they learn more, um, they can they can implement that for their own lives and and sort of strive for better uh, for how they uh, feed themselves, how their gut brain access is working, how uh, like they they, they feel. Uh, and yeah, absolutely, I'm, I'm I've been brainstorming research in that field to look at the the mental health um, and well being between vets who um, practice an integrative approach versus a, a conventional approach and sort of looking at, at the differences in the demands and and that sense of of not maybe not having as much hopelessness to say actually yeah. well you know there may not be as much clinical evidence but if we work down through the tiers of evidence and um and we're, we're really not looking like we've got other solutions and let's look at something that doesn't have as much evidence with your like as a pet guardian's appropriate informed consent that why not mm-hmm. try something like this because certainly that's that's how it works in human medicine and i think that vets have lost a little bit of touch of what true evidence-based medicine is is you know look what is in the best interest of the individual patient um, but if that doesn't work step down to something that has less evidence base um, and and move forward with the therapy rather than saying there's nothing else to do because there's nothing left with high level clinical evidence and there's generally more evidence for natural medicine than i think a lot of um, both vets and and pet guardians realize and, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the more conversations that we have, the more we're able to talk about this as professionals, the less nervous our conventional colleagues will be in recognizing that it's okay to start a discussion around the fact that generally speaking, veterinary medicine, we have far fewer studies in human medicine. And of course, One Health Initiative is helping to bring that together. But until we've fully fleshed out the One Health concepts, we are left absolutely helping our clients understand that there are some options that may not have double-blind placebo-controlled studies, but there's an overwhelming amount of either anecdotal evidence, or as you mentioned, um, research done on other species, including lab animals that may provide viable alternatives and a less toxic, least toxic, non-toxic option that there's no harm in trying as long as we have informed consent. And having those conversations, I think, can empower our colleagues, but also ultimately dramatically improve the lives of our patients. And so I love that you are doing that and that you're teaching veterinarians that early on in their careers or even as students, Mm -hmm. because I think that what you're doing is potentially safeguarding and adding additional vantage points. You're broadening perspective by, by helping students understand that early in their careers. If you, I feel like you're so young, but if you could tell the world one thing, with what you know so far in your amazing career as a proactive wellness veterinarian, what would it be? Yeah, so I think this has uh, never been more important um, in, in humanity, but we must work with nature. Um, we must work with nature, not against nature. Um, as, a, as a healthcare professional, um, I look at natural medicine is, is what I look at. Um, and, and the use of uh, s- supporting sustainable agriculture um, to reform our, our food industry, both for ourselves and our pets, 
looking at using sustainable natural medicine for our pets, looking at how that can be um, used to provide more insights and evidence for translating for human medicine. Um, this means that we can we can really look at, at healing the planet by how we heal um, wildlife, how we heal our pets and how we heal humans and how we heal at, at the agricultural system. And when we're looking at natural medicine and, and looking at working with nature and that nature probably has all of the answers that we need, um, what we need to think about is looking forward, yes, we need more research in how amazing the polyphenols and pectins in an apple can make the microbiome um, break down those those polyphenols and make them more absorbable so these beautiful nutrients can get into the body and and, and upregulate our nrf2 cellular um, healing mechanisms all of this super fancy and important stuff that we do need people to support more research in in doing this work but then we can also look backwards and zoom out a little bit and just have that layer of common sense to say well my grandmother said eating an apple a day keeps the doctor away so like we're getting super fancy but we can also say all right, we can look forward with what, how we can work with nature, but also look back, look at the anecdotes, look at Hippocrates, uh, look at, you know, what we've done in the past, look at how wild animals eat, look at how we used to eat and sort of say, well, you know, looking at paleo, well, do we really need to do all of this study to say that fresh food is better? And when it comes to pet food, the burden of proof should be proving that there's enough evidence base to support feeding completely a highly processed food that's devoid of uh, natural phytochemicals and natural antioxidants. Like that's that's really, I think, where we've gone astray. But if we focus on working with nature, not against nature, I think that we can get ourselves out of huge ecological problems yeah. on this planet. Brilliant words and uh, so incredibly important that from ancient wisdom, we can look forward with research and be able to knit the two together. But lest us forget, we're provided unbelievable opportunities to learn on a daily basis because of nature. And we do have a rich body of ancient wisdom that we can draw upon and doing so offers the blueprint to save our planet going forward. And I love the fact that we have cognizant, bright, open-minded veterinarians all around the world like yourself working diligently to knit the community together for that purpose. So I appreciate everything you are doing, not only for your clients and your patients, but for the veterinary community. If people wanted to learn more about who you are and what you do, where would they go to find more information? So the best places to find more information is at uh, allnaturalvetcare.com. Um, or www.lyka.com.au. Um, I can be contacted by both of those platforms um, and on Instagram at achieve underscore animal underscore wellness. We love Eva for nominating you for your Game Changer Award. Yes. And it's so it's wonderful. Yes, yeah, she was very, she had a lot of amazing things to say about you. And we're so thankful that we've had the opportunity to connect this way, but also just to highlight some of the amazing things that veterinarians are doing around the world to intentionally create health for their patients and also the earth. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you too for everything that you've been doing and for giving me this opportunity. It's, it's really amazing.